Good day once again, brothers and sisters. Welcome once again to our uh, Sunday uh, service. I'd like first of all to uh, greet our mothers right now. It is uh, Mother's Day, so let me just greet you a happy Mother's Day. I'd like to somehow commend you for all the hard work and sacrifices that you have been doing for your children, for your family, and for your husband. And I'd like to give a shout out to all of you out there, mothers, and those of you uh, who have your mothers around you right now, I'd like you to give them a hug. I'd like you to give them a, a holy kiss right now and just commend them for being a good mother. So once again, happy Mother's Day. So once again, let's go to our announcements right now. As you very well know, all our services are still suspended until further notice. Uh, the ECQ had been extended to May 15, and there is a possibility that it might even be extended even further than that to about May 30. Insofar as mass gatherings are concerned, I think the plan is to begin the mass gathering sometime in September. So it's still a long way to go, and so we will have to interact and worship together corporately in this manner for the next few months. So all our services will have to be suspended until further notice. We enjoin you, however, to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. And we would suggest that you begin at 8.30 because we have uh, created a lineup for you on Spotify and so you can start your praise and worship at 8.30. And after doing praise and worship, that's the time you can switch on to our Facebook page and listen to our Sunday sermon. So, uh, our Sunday sermon is in Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated on our Facebook page. And on our website, you can check it out on www.livingword.ph. We also have a YouTube channel wherein you can actually view our Sunday services as well. But aside from that, we have other programs, like for example, uh, our sermon can also be heard over DYFR FM 98.7 every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock in the evening. Also, we're still on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 p.m. By the way, let me remind you that all throughout the week, we have certain programs lined up for you. That is from Monday all the way to Saturday. And of course, on Sunday, you have your Sunday sermon. So what we would like you to do is check out our Facebook page every day because we do have a program every single day for the youth, uh, for the young adults, for the couples ministry, for the children's ministry. So we have really prepared these things for your edification. Now also, I continue to announce that my next book will be released right after the lockdown. So we are offering you a pre-selling price at 300 pesos while the enhanced community quarantine or the lockdown is still in place. The moment the book is released to us, and delivered to us here in Cebu, we will start selling it at its retail price of 350 
pesos. So again, if I were you, I'd get the discounted price at this time. Kindly text your orders with this number 0931-037-6944. Do not also forget our new Gospel-Centered Discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ, which, which you can use for your family Bible studies and also for your small groups over Messenger and over Zoom. It is available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text the number on your screen. Also, please do not forget our interactive midweek table talk every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. We are actually gaining a traction in this program as many people are beginning to listen to the table talk. We're having viewers from Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. And not only Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao, we're having an audience from the Middle East, from Singapore, from Hong Kong, from Europe, Canada, the United States of America, and other parts of the world. So we are very thankful that uh, a lot of people have been tuning in to us. Please do not also forget our live intercession. A lot of people have been joining us, and there are many who are signing up as prayer warriors. This is every Friday at 2 p.m. And again, we enjoin you to please join us during our prayer and uh, fasting as well. Now, we also have giving channels for you. You can deposit your love offerings to the following banks. We have Banco de Oro, account name is LWCCCII, and account number is 001000060800. We also have a BPI account, account name is for uh, Living Word Christian Ministry Cebu Incorporated. Account number is 1021023481. And also RCBC account name is LWCCCII. Account number is 1452005286. Now you may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Go to www.livingword.ph and click the word give and click on your giving preferences. Now we're ready to go to God's Word. The title of today's sermon is Crying to the Unchanging God. And so we will be taking our text for today from Psalm 7. Allow me to read Psalm 7 to all of us. And I would like to recommend that uh, for those of you who have your Bibles, kindly stand up from where you are. Hold on to your Bibles, open it to Psalm 7 as we read it together. Psalm 7 reads, A Shigayon of David when he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me, or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend or have plundered him who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust, Selah. 
Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes arrows, fiery shafts. Behold, he travails with wickedness and he conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out and has fallen into the hole which he had made. His mischief will return upon his own head and his violence will descend upon his own pate. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Shall we bow our heads in prayer at this time as we seek the blessing of God upon his word? Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this blessed opportunity to praise and worship you during this day, O God, which is your day, the Lord's day. And indeed, Lord, we need to honor you. We need to consecrate ourselves. We need to separate this day, Father, to be able to give you what is due to you, to give you honor because you deserve honor, to give you worship because you deserve worship. And once again, we thank you as well for the opportunity to worship you as we gather around the word. And so, Lord, I pray for myself. You know how weak I am and how powerless I am to be able to bring conviction, to be able to speak your word with clarity and with courage and boldness. And so I completely and absolutely rely on you and the power of the Holy Spirit. You said, O Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and he will bring into remembrance all the things that you have taught. And so, Lord, we are trusting you in these promises. And we seek, Lord, your blessing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Anoint our minds and our hearts. And, Lord, anoint my lips as well, so that as I speak, Lord, I will speak with the voice of a prophet. Lord, may your blessing, Lord, be upon your people today as we study your word. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, this uh, recent table talk, there were a series of questions that were brought forth to me. And one of the questions I feel which is quite practical and relevant for a lot of us is the question, how do I address my restlessness? And I think that this is something that a lot of us are feeling right now. We are feeling very restless with our situation, being contained in, in one house, being contained in the four walls of our own home can actually be disconcerting. 
it is something that has bothered a lot of people. And I believe that not only have we experienced inconveniences and discomforts, I believe that some people are right now suffering depression. Probably there are many questions in your mind, questions like, when is this going to end? When is this pandemic crisis going to end? When, it, when is it going to stop its rampage upon our health, upon our businesses, upon the economy? These are questions that continually haunt and torment us. And quite possibly at this time, we have a very, very low view of God even at this time. Probably we're thinking, Lord, why is it that you seem to be helpless in this situation? And I would like to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to keep your faith. Let us be strong in our faith. Let us be courageous in the face of this adversity. But at the same time, we can be honest and transparent to our God. We can cry out to Him. We can cry with, with tears and loud uh, voices seeking help seeking deliverance, seeking relief from this painful situation that you and I are in. That is why, by the way, I like the book of Psalms. Because the book of Psalms is filled with honest emotions. It is filled with an honest cry before God. And that is why in our study today, we will be having a look at Psalm 7. Psalm 7 is a psalm of lament. Now, there are many kinds of psalms. There are penitential psalms. There are wisdom psalms. There are messianic psalms. There are imprecatory psalms. Now, I don't have the benefit of time to be able to explain them to you. So, I will just explain to you what a psalm of lament is. A lament is a passionate expression of grief or mourning. It is a crying out to God in total honesty. It might even include some respectful complaining before God as a result of one's difficult circumstance or situation. So it is possible that at this time, because of what COVID-19 is doing as it is rampaging our health system and our economy and our government, our hearts right now are filled with anxiety, our hearts are filled even with depression. And we are tempted to cry out. And it's possible that some of you may have even literally cried during these trying moments. Some of you may have bowled out and, and groaned before the presence of the Lord. And that is not wrong at all. In fact, in this psalm, that is exactly what we find. So I would even recommend to you that we even pour out a lament before God. Cry out to the Lord, but do it with reverence. And I say this, when you and I lament before God, not irreverently, but with reverence and respect, with a view as to who God is, it is actually welcome in the presence of God. God welcomes those laments. In fact, even in the book of Revelation, it is quite surprising that many of the tribulation saints who were already in heaven because they had been martyred were still crying out a lament before the throne of God. 
they were saying to the Lord, How long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood? So even in heaven itself, with those who are perfected saints, there is even lament that is present in the very presence of the Lord. And so once again, it is something that is welcomed by God. It is something that does not incur the displeasure of God. So once again, let me submit to you, if there is some pain in your heart, if there is some grief in your heart, go out and pour out your lament before our God, and He will listen to our cries, because He is a prayer-answering God. Now, there are two things I see in this particular passage, and I have divided it into two parts. First would be David's heart cry. And all of this would be beginning with the letter A for easy understanding. First, under that, you have the appeal for deliverance. Second, you have accountability before God. And third, we find an asking for judgment and deliverance. Now, in our second major point, we find David's recognition of God's immutability. Once again, it all begins with letter A. First up, we have attributes and actions of God. God as judge. And then anger of God on the unrepentant. Here we find God as warrior. And then finally, an adoration of God's righteousness. Now, those of you who have been listening to me for quite some time, you know that one of my practices before I expound or exposit on a particular passage is I give a contextual background or a historical background. The reason why I do that is so that we will have a better appreciation of what the psalmist in this particular case was feeling and why he was feeling it. This is the reason why it's really very important to study the Bible within its proper context. Now, the background of this particular psalm is actually quite unclear. What we get here is a title which suggests a shigayon of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. Now, a shigayon may mean a poem or a song written with strong emotions. We are told that David sang this to the Lord. By the way, it is not wrong to sing songs of lament before God. Now, we do not just sing songs of exaltation, songs of rejoicing, songs of praise. We also can sing, actually, songs of lament before God. And it is not actually a sign of a lack of faith on our part. In fact, the reason why you are crying out to God is because you believe in Him. You trust Him. You know His attributes. You know that He has the power to deliver you. And that is the reason why you are crying out to Him. For as long as our laments are not done in an irreverential way, it is all right before the presence of God. We can do that. We can sing songs of lament. And probably you can do that. Put even a tune to your groaning, your grief, and your depression. Of course, there must always be the redeeming factor in all of our laments 
as we remember the goodness of God, as we remember the loving kindness of God, as we remember the power of God, the majesty of God, the goodness of God, it must be included in our lament. Now, when we think about possibilities here as to what was the possible situation that David was confronted with, most Bible scholars can only think of two particular situations in the life of David. One situation, of course, is quite familiar to you because if you have been following me in my Sunday sermons, I talk to you about the son of David, Absalom, who staged a coup d'etat against his own father. And so what had happened was Absalom had presented himself as the better alternative compared to his father. So he made himself really good in the presence of so many Israelites, such that there were many Israelites who became discontent with the governance of David. And so they wanted Absalom to rule them. And so his, uh, his campaign all over Israel gained traction. And later on, he was able to stage a very powerful coup d'etat. He was able to raise up a mighty army against his own father. Now think about what David was feeling at that time. The kind of feeling of betrayal that he felt at that time. But you see, it was not only that that was, you know, was bothering David, actually. One of the things that was bothering David was that there were some people who were silent adversaries against David. There were people who were not complaining out loud against David. But the moment they saw that David was broken, the moment they saw that David was on the run, now they wanted to join forces with Absalom. Finally, their silent adversarial position has now come out in the open. And one of those people who hated David silently was Shimei. Shimei, by the way, was a relative of King Saul. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 16, beginning at verse 5, when David was beginning to run away from Absalom, here's what we find. So allow me to read this, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5. It says, When David came to Bahurim, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul, King Saul, that is, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. You know what he did? He came out cursing continually as he came. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were at his right hand and at his left. Dashime said when he cursed, Get out! Get out! You man of bloodshed and worthless fellow! The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. So this was one possible situation. This was one possible situation when we consider the contextual background of this psalm. And actually, it makes a lot of sense that this might have been one of the possible situations. 
And so try to imagine yourself in this situation. You're down and out already. And insult is already being added to injury. People are, are piercing you and taking advantage of your fallen, downtrodden situation. You know, one of the sad things that we find in this world is that there are a lot of people who have this crab mentality. They want to pull people down. They want to put people down. And when people are down and out, they are rejoicing as a result of that situation. The Bible says that we are to weep with those who weep. But then again, these people actually weep when you are rejoicing, when you are exulting in the blessings of God. The Bible also says rejoice when others are rejoicing. On the other hand, these kinds of people actually rejoice when you are weeping. And this is exactly what we find here in this situation. Now, another possible scenario is when David was running away from King Saul. Remember that he became a fugitive, not just for a few months. He was running as a fugitive for so many years, hiding from cave to cave, going from place to place, moving north, moving south, moving east, moving west, until finally entering into Philistine territory. Boy, what a difficult situation that must have been on the part of David, most especially when we consider the time frame. The time frame is really what makes it difficult. And I think that in this particular situation that we are in, most especially when the World Health Organization predicts that the coronavirus will stay with us for at least two years. And you think about two years? What? This is going to be a long, long time. What about our, our time of worship together? What about our social relationships? What about our jobs? What about our businesses? Obviously, the time frame here is killing us. And that's exactly what David must have felt at that time. And so once again, we have a lot to learn from this particular psalm. Now, I'd like us to go right now into David's heart cry. Here we find his appeal for deliverance. In verse 1 and 2, it reads, O Lord my God, in you I've taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. Or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. Now, as you very well know, David was a shepherd boy in his teenage years. And as a shepherd, obviously, you had to be quite courageous. You had to be able to be willing to lay down your life even for your sheep. And David actually proved that, didn't he? He proved that when he talked to King Saul one time, when he was about to challenge uh, Goliath, the nine-foot-nine giant. And he said that he, he tangled and he fought with lions and with bears. And that's exactly what, what David had actually experienced uh, during that time. He fought with lions and with bears. And that is why if you take a look at the imagery here in this particular passage, the imagery somehow relates to his occupation. 
But this time, he pictures himself not as the shepherd, but he pictures himself as a helpless lamb. And God, this time, plays the role of his great shepherd. He had enemies hunting him down. And so as a shepherd, David faithfully rescued his sheep. But now, things had turned around. David now was like the sheep that was being hunted down. If you take a look at the verse of Scripture, it says here, in verse 2, it says, Or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. So the picture in the mind of David here is of a lion who pounces upon one of the sheep. And as soon as it pounces upon the sheep and has its uh, teeth in the neck of that particular sheep, that, that lion now drags away this very helpless sheep or very helpless lamb. And that was the kind of feeling that David felt. And isn't that true in our case? We feel like a helpless lamb. I mean, in this situation, brothers and sisters, no one is strong. No one is high and mighty. Even our president himself said that COVID-19 has humbled him. And isn't this true even with all the leaders of the world? Even the prime minister of uh, the United Kingdom himself almost succumbed to COVID-19. He was three days in the ICU unit. And so even the presidents, even powerful businessmen, even great political leaders are being humbled right now. And the feeling is like that of a helpless lamb. And when that happens, who do you cry out to? Who do you cling on to? Well, we can only cry out to our good shepherd. And you know what? It is only right in terms of application that we turn to God first of all rather than to other things. I would like to suggest and submit to you, brothers and sisters, that we are not to first of all rely on our brain power. We are not, first of all, to rely on our connections. We are not to, first of all, rely on our business acumen or even our CSV or our biodata. I believe this is the time for us to really cling on to God like the helpless lamb seeking the help of a great shepherd. I believe this is what we need to do. Now, I'd like to talk about accountability before God. Let me read to you verses 3 all the way to verse 5. David says, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Salah. Now, as we proceed in the psalm, you will notice that David was actually convinced about his own innocence and his own integrity. But you know what? It did not stop David 
from asking God to cross-examine himself. And I think in this time, you and I might be convinced of our integrity. You and I might be convinced of our own righteousness. But at the same time, it is always good practice to ask God to examine our hearts, to test and see what is there in our hearts. Because oftentimes our problem is that you and I have blind spots. There are things that we can easily spot with other people. But when it comes to ourselves, we do not see anything wrong with us. I recall what Jesus Christ said in rebuking some of the people who were listening to him. He said that we are to remove the log, the log, the huge log out of our eye before we attempt to even take the speck, that small thing, that small sin in the eye of a brother. And sometimes that's how it is. We have this log in our eye and we are unable to see who we really are in the very presence of God. And that is why here we find that God was allowed by David to cross-examine here. And what does this speak of? This speaks about accountability before God. Now again, in applying this verse of Scripture, as we are now facing this adversity, remember uh, in my table talk, I said that the pandemic crisis really uh, has different strokes for different people. I said that for some people, it might be judgment on their part. For some people, it might be that God is simply drawing them so that they might come to Christ. For some people, however, it might be a sort of purging or cleansing or sanctification. Different strokes for different people. But the important thing for us is to be accountable before God. In the midst of what we are going through, don't you think we should be asking God right now, Lord, is there anything wrong in my heart? Is there anything that I have done that has brought displeasure before you? Lord, I'm actually convinced that I'm all right, that I am upright and a man of integrity. But Lord, you know everything. And so Lord, please tell me, please tell me, just like what David did here, please tell me, if what I am suffering right now is as a result of any sin on my part. It, it is always good practice, brothers and sisters, to have this self-examination. About David's desire for convenience and comfort, his utmost desire was actually the holiness of God. This was foremost in his mind. And this is something that is very apparent in this particular psalm. And that is why if you try to have a look at the entire passage, you will find themes about the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, that God is concerned about righteousness. And I believe this should be the primary concern that we are to have during this time. Lord, am I being upright? Am I being holy? Am I responding really well? during this pandemic crisis. Lord, please let me know if there is something that I need to repent of and confess before you. Now, here also we find 
asking for judgment and deliverance on the part of David as we find it in verse 6. It says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment. Now one word I'd like you to take note of here is the word arise. The word arise, by the way, is a battle cry. Let us not forget that one of the titles of God in the Old Testament is that He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of His heavenly armies. And that is why there are seasons. There were seasons in the life of Israel when they were in war that God would say, the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we are to somehow remember that in this battle that we are now facing, of course, it's not a literal battle wherein you and I have enemies surrounding us. But this is really a fierce battle. This is a fierce battle for our souls, a fierce battle for our own families. And in this particular sense, we can actually make application and trust that God, our God, will fight our battles. So again, in terms of application, while we may not have enemies with whom we are crying out to God for judgment, we can relate to God's, or rather for David's cry of deliverance to God. So once again, we can relate to David's cry for deliverance. In verse 7 and 8, allow me to read this. It says, Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you, and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Now, as I mentioned to you in the previous verses, we find David actually asking God to cross-examine him, to find out if there was something wrong with him. But in so far as David was concerned, when he did an honest-to-goodness examination of himself, he was actually convinced of his uprightness and his honest and genuine relationship before the Lord. And probably that is the same thing in your case. As you did a little cross-examination in relation to what has been happening, you're probably convinced that you're a person who is upright before the Lord. Now, here we find that when David took stock of his spiritual inventory, he had confidence he had confidence that he had been upright before God in his dealings. Notice what he says here in the latter part of verse 8. He says, Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Now, when we speak about integrity, what is the word integrity? It's, it's something that we often hear, most especially when a person is uh, doing a political campaign. He campaigns that people should vote for him because of his integrity. But what is integrity really? Well, integrity has the concept of wholeness. That is the concept here, the concept of wholeness. A person does not have a divided soul. In other words, he is not a Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, oftentimes bad, 
but good in the appearance of other people. And so a lot of people are like that. They are actually hypocrites. They put up a spiritual facade and you think they're all right. But deep down inside, they're filled with, with pride, with lust, with, with bitterness, and with anger. But David con was convinced that he was not like that kind of a person who was too sold. He was a person whose entire being was consecrated, dedicated, devoted to God. And so his entire being was consecrated to the Lord. His thoughts, his motivations, his intentions, and his affections, they were all devoted and dedicated to God. And because of his righteousness, he could confidently ask for God's deliverance. And that is why, notice once again, he says, The Lord judges the people, verse 8, Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. In other words, his confidence that God would deliver him was brought about by his righteousness. Now let me pause and stop at this moment. I know that many of us are praying. I think you've got to be a fool not to be praying at this particular time because of the desperate situation that you and I are in. But remember this. When you cry out to God, what is very important to the Lord is your own righteousness. That is something that you need to have at this time. Because if you are not living an upright life, if you are not living your life for the glory of God and for His kingdom and for His righteousness, then friends, you cannot have the confidence that God will hear your cries. I'd like to bring you to James chapter 5 and verse 16. And this is what it says. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Can, can I say that once again? It says, the effective, notice, the effective, underline that, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Actually, this verse is redundant because there's effective and there's accomplish much. It basically, it's basically synonymous. It means the same thing. But, you know, this double uh, redundancy, I would say, is intended to emphasize the importance of righteousness. If you are really living an upright life, if you are really living a righteous life, then God can deliver you. Oh yes, brothers and sisters, I know it's hard and it's difficult, but you know what is really surprising to me? Certain brothers have been testifying to me at this time when it's really difficult to have provisions, they are saying that, you know, our, our businesses are somehow booming. We, we cannot even understand why, why we are prospering at this time. Everybody else is having great difficulty, but our business is doing well. And they always say to me, they cannot understand what is happening. And you know what? Once again, God is not limited by our own situation. God is not limited by this pandemic crisis. And while yes, many are suffering, myself and maybe you included, 
we know and we have the confidence that for as long as we are living upright lives, in the end, our God will deliver us. So take heart. Have courage, brothers and sisters. God will deliver us. That is, if you and I are living upright lives. So let's make sure that we are on the right standing with the Lord. Now, in our second part, we're going to talk about David's recognition of God's immutability. And under that, first of all, we're going to talk about, again, letter A, attributes and actions of God. And here we find God as judge. Let me just read verse 9. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. Once again, the last verse here, or rather the last part of verse 9 says, For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. Now, this is a theme that you and I will find all throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. God is constantly trying our hearts and our minds. So please do not forget, brothers and sisters, what we are going through right now is actually a test. Are you passing the test? Are you failing the test? This is a test for all of us. And guess what God is trying to do here? He is trying our hearts and our minds. And I hope to God that we are passing with flying colors. Now allow me to just give you a little survey of some verses of Scripture just for us to be able to see the consistency of this thought. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. And then after that, it says, I test the mind. Isn't that quite interesting? Even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And then in Acts 1.24, as they were uh, making a choice as to whom they would make as the apostle who would replace Judas, this is what they prayed. It says, And they prayed and said, Lord, you Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen. So again, the apostles understood that insofar as God was concerned, the heart of man is very important. And then finally, in Acts 15, verse 8, it says, And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He also did to us. Notice it says here, God knows the heart. And friends, that's something that we have to understand and be mindful of. God is an omniscient God. He knows everything. You can hide yourself in a closet, hide yourself in the darkest part of your own room. God still knows what you are doing. God still knows exactly what you are thinking about. God knows the inner recesses of your heart. God knows everything. And that is why He is testing our hearts and minds at this particular time. Now, actually, if you do a word study of verse 9, where it says, For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds, the more literal translation is, He tests our hearts and our kidneys. Alright? So, that is actually the more literal translation. He is testing our hearts 
in our kidneys. The thought here is that God knows everything that is taking place inside of us. He knows our thoughts, our affections, our intentions, our motives. He knows everything in our hearts. And you know, if we understand and have this knowledge that our God is an omniscient God, don't you think it should steer fear in our hearts, the fear of the Lord? And this is what I've been praying for in this pandemic crisis. I pray that one of the things that God would be doing right now is to create the fear of the Lord in our hearts. I believe this is so important. If we are going to be blessed by God, if we're going to have wisdom during these times, well, we need the fear of the Lord. For the fear of the Lord, as the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. Now, here is a cry of David. And what is this cry? Again, going back to this verse, it says, establish the righteous. Establish the righteous. And this could be our cry as well. If you and I are living upright lives, we can cry out to God right now, Lord, establish the righteous. What David was crying out for here is a life of stability and a life of security. And this is what we want at this time. We want stability. We want security. Why? Because we're feeling insecure. We're feeling very unstable at this particular time. And so what is our desire? Our desire is, Lord, establish the righteous. Establish the righteous. That is why righteousness is so important in this time. This is definitely not the time to be unrighteous. In fact, there is never a good time to be unrighteous. It is always a bad time to be unrighteous, brothers and sisters. It is always a bad thing. And that is why, again, very important, friends, that we live upright lives so that we have the stability and the security that we are earnestly looking for in this pandemic crisis. In verse 10, it continues on. David says, My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. I'd like you to highlight that. He saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous, ju righteous judge. And a God who has indignation every day. So the application here is while we may not have enemies. Again, we're not talking about a war here. While we may not have enemies with whom we are crying out for judgment. What we can apply from this particular psalm is a cry for deliverance. And when we cry out for deliverance, we have to be mindful of God's attributes. And, and in this particular psalm, this is what we find. David knew who his God was. And my question to you, brothers and sisters, is do you know who your God is? Do you know the attributes of your God? Because if you do not have this knowledge of who God is, how can you pray correctly? How can you pray hitting the target bullseye? The only way that can happen is with your knowledge of who your God is. And friends, you cannot have a knowledge of who God is unless you are meditating on the scriptures. And that's why I'd like to encourage you, let this be a time of reading the Bible. Read as much 
as you can when it comes to the Bible. Read as many chapters as you can when it comes to the Bible. And then you will get to know who your God is. And so how did David see God? Well, first of all, he saw that God is righteous. That is why the word righteous is found in verse 9 and also in verse 11. And so God is righteous and he perfectly and accurately knows the state of our hearts. So if we bear the likeness of our God, then we are assured that somehow he will establish us. Now remember, one of the goals of God in anything, and I'm sure you're familiar with Romans 8 verse 28, where it says, All things work together for good to them who love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. But sometimes there are a lot of believers who stop there. Don't stop there because the good that God is actually talking about is found in verse 29. And what is found in verse 29? That we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So let me just ask you this question. In this pandemic crisis, do you happen to bear the likeness of Christ in your life? Because that is very important. If you want God to establish you, you have to bear the likeness of Christ. And somehow this is something that I'm really concerned about with all of us. Because for some of us probably, we're tempted to backslide at this time. We're tempted to dry up spiritually. We're tempted to drift away from God. This is not the time to drift away from the Lord. This is the time for us, brothers and sisters, to really, uh, to really uh, bring our righteousness several notches higher. Another attribute that David saw here, he says in verse 10, My shield is with God. God is a protector of the righteous. If you want the protection of God, then once again, you have to be an upright person, a righteous person. This is what God wants. This is the confidence that David had, that God would protect him against all the odds, against all the enemies, against all these adversities that he was going through. He knew that God was his shield. God is our shield. And again, very important that we walk uprightly. Third, it says God is a righteous judge. So he is not only righteous, he is a righteous judge. Meaning to say, he will judge those who are unrighteous and he will reward those who are righteous. So again, in this situation, let us not forget who our God is. Oftentimes we just simply think of God as a God of love and that's fine because God definitely is a God of love. That is what you and I see at the cross. But remember this, the reason why Christ was crucified, the reason why he died on the cross is because there needs to be payment for all of our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die to pay for all our sins. And in the death of Jesus Christ, what do we see? We see the full wrath of God being poured out on Christ. What does that speak of? That our God is a God of justice. And so if there's something that's going to happen 
at this time, God is going to reward the righteous, but He is going to judge those who are unrighteous. That is one of the things that we find here. So the application is, if you want God to establish you and protect and reward you during these times, make sure that you are walking uprightly. Now, I'd like us to talk about the anger of God on the unrepentant. And here, what do we see? God as warrior. In the first place, we saw God as judge. Now we see God as a warrior. Notice verses 12 and 13. It says, If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Now look at some words here. You have the word sword, bow, arrows, deadly weapons. Now what are we talking about here? We're talking about implements or instruments of war. Now what does that tell you? God is at war with the unrepentant wicked. Let me say it again. God is at war with the unrepentant wicked. Now, a lot of people have been asking, is there judgment taking place right now in this COVID-19 crisis? Now, I understand some people have been very, very careful. Some preachers have been very, very careful. And they're saying that we are not a prophet or the son of a prophet. And therefore, we cannot make any conclusions that this is actually a judgment that is taking place. Now, I agree that we need to be very careful, and I also submit to you that I do not think that this is a full-scale judgment upon all the nations such that we find in the tribulation period. I believe that the full wrath of God will take place in the tribulation period in the future, but we are not yet in the tribulation period. But it is also hard and difficult for me to imagine That there is no judgment taking place here, at least when it comes to certain people. That is why, as I mentioned to you, I believe it's different strokes for different people. And I believe that John Piper would agree with me on this as I read one of his articles in regard to this pandemic crisis. So yes, I believe that for some people it's a harvest of souls. For some people, it's a case of sanctification. But I also believe that in some cases, there is some form of judgment that is actually now taking place. And we find this in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 talks about the wrath of God against all unrighteousness and wickedness. And so, yes, I believe to a certain extent, there is some kind of judgment that is taking place here, at least with some people or or maybe even some nations. Now, in verses 14 to 16, it reads, Behold, he travails with wickedness, and he conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. This is talking about the evil people who were against David. It says here, he has dug a pit and hollowed it out. And he has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head. And his violence will descend upon his own pain. The sowing of evil, dear brothers and sisters, will bring about a harvest of evil. This is what I call a boomerang effect. What goes around comes around. 
If you treat people in a bad way, someday you will also be treated in a bad way. And that's why in this pandemic crisis, let us sow righteousness. For whatsoever a man sows, he shall also reap. If you and I sow good things, then we will reap good things. But if we sow bad things, we will also reap bad things as well. And this is exactly what we find here. There was a boomerang effect that David was praying for his enemies. And Jesus actually talked about this a little bit in the Garden of Gethsemane. When there were certain soldiers that came to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ and Peter at that time took a sword and actually cut off one of the ears of the one of the ones who were arresting the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? How did he respond? In Matthew 26 verse 52 he says, Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. So once again, be careful of what you are sowing at this particular time. You do not want God to be your adversary at this time. You do not want God to be at war with you at this time. Now for those of you who feel convicted about your own sin, I'd like to make application that God provides opportunities for repentance and restoration. Because if you go back uh, to this particular passage, it says here, that if a man, verse 12, if a man does not repent. So God still leaves room for repentance and restoration. David knew this firsthand because he himself had been forgiven by God himself. He committed adultery, he committed uh, murder, and yet God forgave him. But at the same time, David knew that even though God might forgive you of all your sins, it does not mean that you will not suffer the consequences of your own sins. In fact, if it is true that the particular situation, the contextual background of this psalm is the situation with his son Absalom when Absalom staged a coup d'etat, this is a very clear example that it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So again, you can suffer the consequences of your own sin. That is why there needs to be repentance. David knew that his enemies were standing on shaky ground if they did not repent. So the application here, brothers and sisters, is if there is any unrighteousness in our hearts, this season should be a season or an opportune time for us to repent and confess our sins. And this is what I am asking my brothers and sisters right now. This is what I am asking those who are paying attention. This is a time for you to confess your sins. Do not harden your hearts at this time. Do not be stubborn. Do not be stiff-necked. This is the time to repent and confess of your sins before the Lord. And let me just tell you this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we go to the final point in the second point, the adoration of God's righteousness. In verse 17, 
It says, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So the proper response for us in the midst of COVID-19, as he judges according to his righteousness and rewards according to his righteousness, is to worship him. Again, let this pandemic crisis cause us to worship the Lord God Almighty. Now, there's something significant as we find that the phrase Lord Most High is used here. Now, it is rarely used in the Bible, but actually it is found mostly in the book of Psalms. That's quite interesting, isn't it? It is used about 23 times in this book. And what does it refer to? It refers to God's power and rulership over the nations. Once again, God's power and rulership over the nations. And isn't this very apparent in our day and in our time? What do we sense right now, even in the midst of this wrath, even in the midst of this pandemic crisis, what we sense here is the rulership of God and God's power over the nations. That is what you and I see here. God is proving himself as the almighty God the only true and genuine ruler of all kingdoms. This is who our God is. He is sovereign, He is on the throne, and He is the King of this universe. And that is the reason why you and I must worship Him at this time. Because even in the midst of the display of God's wrath, even in the midst of God's display of His deliverance, what do we see here? We see a God who is the Lord who is most high. That is why the giving of thanks and praise at this time is very much appropriate. And as you feel the weight of oppression of this COVID-19, and as you pour out your heart before God, as you pour out your lament before God, let it be true and let it be certain that you are upright and righteous before the Lord. Righteousness is very important for us, brothers and sisters, to be delivered from this situation. Now at this point in time, let me just declare to you that in the Bible, we talk about two kinds of righteousness. We talk about positional righteousness and that which I call as possessional righteousness. Now, how do you achieve positional righteousness? Now, you and I do not have any righteousness of our own. In fact, the Bible says that our righteous deeds are nothing but filthy rags in the sight of God. So when God looks upon mankind, and I'm talking about all of mankind, not just some of mankind, but all of mankind, what does God see? God sees mankind that is stained, soiled, and marred by sin. That is what God is seeing. But you might say, but what about my good works? What about the good things that I have done? What about my philanthropy? Well, let me tell you this. It does not, it does not fit with the standard of God. Because the standard that God requires is the standard of perfect righteousness. Now, if you really think about it, is there anyone in this world 
who is perfectly righteous. Just think about it for a moment. I mean, perfectly righteous. And the answer would be, there is no one who is perfectly righteous. But can you somehow go back in history, and is there anyone in the history of mankind who has lived a perfect life? And I believe immediately, in a snap of a finger, you and I know who that is. And that's Jesus Christ. Now that righteousness is what you and I need for us to go to heaven. But you and I know that it is not a righteousness that you and I have. But do you know that it is a righteousness that God offers to us? And how does He offer this perfect righteousness? He offers this perfect righteousness as a gift to us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and when you and I repent of our sins, what He does is He gives to us that perfect righteousness. That perfect righteousness becomes our own possession. Yes, you heard me right. It becomes your own personal possession. So that when God the Father looks at you, what he sees is not your own dirty, filthy, unrighteousness. What he sees is the righteousness of Christ. And that was achieved at the cross when Jesus paid the penalty of our sins. It is a free gift. So if you want to be righteous in the eyes of God, if you want to be saved, if you want to be cleansed and washed from all unrighteousness, if you want your name to be written in the book of life, Receive the righteousness of Christ. Make Him your personal Lord and Savior. And when that happens, the Bible says in Ephesians that you are seated together at the right hand of the Father. Now how can you be seated at the right hand of the Father together with Christ unless you have the righteousness of Christ? That is why, again, this is a free gift. It's not something that you earn, not something that you work for. It is given to you. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? Will you accept it? Will you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Will you repent of your sins and ask the Holy Spirit to change and mold you and make you into the kind of person that God wants you to be? If you do that, brothers and sisters, this very day, if you humble yourself, salvation will come into your heart. When you die, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or whenever God takes you home, you have this assurance that God will bring you to heaven. Not because of your righteousness. Remember this, because of the righteousness of Christ. But after that, it is very important that we do not only have positional righteousness, we need to have possessional righteousness. And in this particular aspect, I'm talking about sanctification. And what it is really talking about is a day-to-day -day yielding yourself to the Lord and saying, Lord, how can I serve you today? How can I love you today? How can I worship you today? How can I be obedient to you today? So after receiving positional righteousness, this is what you and I need to have. And when you have both those things, positional righteousness, and possessional righteousness, you can expect God to deliver you in the midst of this pandemic crisis. May God bless the Word of God in your heart today.
And friends, once again, if you have been blessed with the Word of God today, I'd like to invite you to please like and share this video. Share it to as many people as possible. As you very well have noticed in all my sermons, I always include a sharing of the gospel. What is my desire? My desire is a harvest of souls. I hope that that is your desire as well. So here's what you and I can do together. We can both like and share this video on our Facebook wall. We can tag as many friends as we can. And then we can send this through Viber. We can send this through um, Messenger. And by the way, we can share our YouTube version of this sermon as well. And why don't you do this as well? Why don't you yourself share the gospel even after you do all of that? Because after all, we do not want to waste this pandemic crisis. So once again, God bless you all. My wife greets the mothers out there. A happy Mother's Day. I greet you a happy Mother's Day as well. God bless you. It's been a blessed Lord's Day. Stay safe and see you again.